All right, what's up, everybody? What's up? Thank you, Vera, for dragging that out for me. <laughs> if you if you don't catch on, Vera is uh, Vera who runs our ship here. Uh, sometimes does me the favor of when I'm not totally prepared, playing a little bit more songs so I can scramble and get things together. So uh, I was just putting it all together, and so that's why you got to hear the fullness of Bruce Springsteen's great Adam Raised a Cane, which I think is first on Darkness on the Edge of Town. I think. Yeah, anyway, uh, great album. Okay, so great album and great book, Leviticus, Leviticus. We're starting uh, a great book, Leviticus. One of, I mean, it's one of the top five books, right? Like <laughs> it's one of the top five books of all time. It's one of the books of the Torah. So it's one of our five most important books. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a tough one, huh? Leviticus is a tough one of all the books. Leviticus is particularly difficult reading because it mostly um, details the sacrifices that one brings for all sorts of reasons, but especially to atone for sin. And then the purity that one needs to maintain to be in the realm of the, of the, of the, of the altar. It's uh, the priestly laws, in other words. And that's what they, they, they call uh, Leviticus, Torah Kohanim, the, the Torah of the priests. So um, it's like, I mean, it's just blood and guts and gore and details and weird stuff. Like, and it's, it's very detailed and very strange all at once. Very str strange, like, like we are estranged from it. It doesn't seem, um, it's hard to relate to. So it's a difficult book, but I, I, um, I, I, I said, and I said this actually on this week's, this week's podcast. Oh, let me just say, we now have um, a, a Patreon, uh, a, a Patreon to support this this podcast that we're doing because obviously we want to keep it free. But you know, Vera uh, um, helps with the podcast. Ben Cooley helps with the podcast. I make the pod like it, it takes some money to run the podcast. Um, and so, if you're able to support the podcast, great. It's just like little amounts, whatever you're comfortable with. And there's, you know, like with most Patreons, there's there's swag you can get. Uh, the podcast is called Best Book Ever, and you can get like Best Book Ever T-shirts. You know, so that's how cool. <laughs> wow, that's how cool you can be. Um, anyway, so in the podcast this week, um, and I think actually Vera is going to give you a link to. There's the Patreon, and Vera, could you also share the podcast um, from this week? So in the podcast this week, I said that be precisely because Leviticus is such a difficult book to read, the tradition of commentary on Leviticus is particularly dynamic. Because this is one of the five books of the Torah. It's difficult reading. The rabbis are not going to let it lie. They are not going to just get mired in the details. They're going to turn this into one of the five books of the Torah, one of the great books of all time. And so the they go the 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 it is just the the denseness, the density and the and the and the difficulty of Leviticus that produces its its dynamism. And so if you go, for example, into um, the books of Midrash. There's a famous Midrash Rabbah. So there's Midrash Rabbah on each of the books of the Torah, but the one on, on, on Leviticus is particularly good, along with Genesis. It can't be Genesis, but Genesis and Leviticus are particularly good. And it's because the rabbis just said, let's, let's find, let's rip this book open. And that's true on into the modern age. And some of the great studies of Levitic Leviticus have been in the modern age. They are, um, Mary Douglas's uh, Purity and Danger, right? Uh, Jacob Milgram's whole life work 
was just like unearthing what the depth of Leviticus, what's in there, what's the symbolism of Leviticus. Okay, so I said that on the podcast, and then I also said that um, one of the great uh, resources that we have on Leviticus, when we think about approaching it with that kind of dynamic, creative interpretation, open-minded interpretation, is the Kliakar. And you may have heard me say before that the Kliakar, if I have to pick, and you don't, you know, you don't pick you don't pick amongst your children and you don't pick amongst your ancestors, but like if I had to pick the Kliakar as my favorite commentator, um, uh, he's a uh, 15th, uh, 16th and 17th, but mostly 16th century um, rabbi, was the chief rabbi of Prague. And he's just, just the commentary is called Kliakar, which means a precious vessel. And in a precious vessel, indeed, it is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful commentary on the Torah. I recommend it highly and strongly. There are some translations of some parts of it, and you can check that out on Safaria. Not all of it is, is translated. But the Kliakar is just one of these thinkers. Now, I just want to locate him a little bit in, in, in time because I'm saying all of this because the podcast I, I, is 15 minutes of, you know, a Parsha Torah. So just on the go, and you just have 15 minutes, and we try to polish it off for you, and it's just me talking the whole time. That's And the class is is an hour of discussion and exploration. Um, and hopefully we're, we're having a conversation. We're all interpreting the text. Um, and usually I try to keep the topics separate. It's like, you know, one's not just a mini version of the other. This is two experiences. And so if you happen to want more Parsha, there's an hour and 15 minutes for you. Um, but, and by the way, we also, you know, um, we also edit the class and put it on the, uh, up on the podcast as well. But, um, but, all of that is to say that this week, uh, I could, just couldn't get out of the Kliakar. So this week, just so you know, the podcast and what we're doing here is not the same text, that I would never do, but the same thinker, we're in a week, I'm in a week of Kliakar, and so I'm forcing you to be um, in a week of Kliakar as well. So, um, so we're going to look at a piece today from the Kliakar, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunschitz of Prague, um, and, uh, and get a feel for his style and um and and in doing so i think we're gonna have a pretty dynamic exciting entry into the book of the, the scary 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 book of leviticus okay so uh so there we go let's uh let's say a blessing together and um and we'll just sanctify this space of learning and you know what else I'm going to do? Just give me one second. I'm going to get a cup because I have water, but I don't have a cup. Or a, or a mason jar, if you will, because I'm a hipster. Okay, so here we go. So let's just, we're going we're gonna to go right in. Let's just take, a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take us into the text. Um, and we're not going to get past the second verse in Leviticus. Okay, and, and you know, we're going to see how the book of Leviticus opens. And then we're gonna, then we're like just in the second verse. And, and I, it's like, I started reading the Kliakar looking for something and I, I read the first piece and then I read the second piece and all that I, I couldn't get past the second piece. It's just like, just, just stunned. I just, I mean, it was just, it was just stunning. I was on a plane actually. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Okay, so, um, so let's see here. Now, do I, um, I just saw some, the chat pop up. Now we're not gonna talk about the little Aleph, but that's cool. That's, not even getting past the first word. That's a, that's another that's another classic. It's a good example of of a way that we uh, 
uh, I don't follow the chat, but when it pops up and I just see the the headline of the of the chat. So anyway, the little Aleph is a good example of uh, of you know making a lot of Leviticus. Like, what does that first word mean? What is the first letter in the first word? You know, all that. Yeah, there's there's a little Aleph here. So you could spend we could spend our whole hour just talking about that. And I think we have. <laughs> In this in this class okay so what we're going to look at though is the second verse today and it's a pretty typical pretty tone setting verse for leviticus um and it gets us right into the the big topic that's going to occupy the first oh 10 chapters of leviticus and that's the the detailing of the offerings and how you make the offerings okay so here we go uh, uh, God, Hashem, called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Israel. Uh, and this is the verse that we're going to be looking at. So let's see, like, what do we, what questions do we have in this verse? Okay. Israel, Vamarta Lehem, Adam ki yakriv mikem korban ladonai, min habehima, min habakar, umin hatson, takrivu et korbanchem. Okay. Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, when any person from among you brings forth an offering to God, you all shall bring forth offering of cattle from the herd or from the flock. Okay, so there we go. And that's what it's like to read Leviticus and, you know, um, okay. <laughs> so how do, we, how, do we, how do we make things exciting? Well, first of all, like, let's just look at this verse one more time. What, what questions do we have? Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, when any person from among you brings forth an offering to, to, to God, to Hashem, you all shall bring forth offering of cattle from the herd or from the flock. So um, why don't we do this in the chat since it's a bit of an identification question. Uh, what questions do we have on that verse? And I'll read them out loud. Uh, what questions do you have? Let's see, because we're going to soon see what Rashi's question is and what the Kliakar's question is. So let's see. If, if one sins, do we all? I think that's, I think Richard, ding, 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 ding. I think Richard actually gets Rashi's question, although I'm not sure exactly how you mean it, Richard. But it starts off with one person, when any one person, and then says you all. Is that right, Richard? Is that what you're thinking? That's right. That's right. That's good. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's see here. Um, when any person from among you, you all shall bring. So it starts singular and then moves to the plural. Okay, like, do we have to be precise about that? Yes, we do, say the rabbis, and Richard's, Richard's with them. Okay, any other, any other questions that you have in that verse? It's like not fair now that I said that Richard got the one that we're going to be looking at. But, um, but let's look here. Um, uh, why just cattle? Great. We're going to be thinking about that. Why? Why just why are they just talking about animals, about cattle, about livestock? What is the herd versus the flock? That is bakar utson. I can answer that now. Bakar utson is mostly like cows and sheep or bulls and sheep. Right? Is there a, yeah, is there a word that means cows and bulls? It's cattle, right? But cattle can also mean sheep, right? Or no, only oh, okay. So then I mistranslated. It's like from the what it really is. Let's go retranslate that. Thanks for the what it really is, is uh, is you shall all bring forth an offering of animal. Oops, I have a Hebrew setting here. Because I'm cool and I type in Hebrew. Um, um, bring forth an, an offering of animal from the herd or from the flock. Okay, 
Um, so there, that's right. Good. Thanks for that question. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the relationship between one and everyone? Good. Marlene's on 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 that track too. Um, why would someone bring an offering to Hashem? Great question, Wayne. All right. What what do we? Leviticus doesn't stop and say, hey, you know, we've got a problem. We're human beings. We're trying to get close to God. We sin sometimes. Like all this stuff that we end up saying about Leviticus, Leviticus doesn't say that. Leviticus is just like, anyway, so when you bring an offering, you better bring the right one, right? Okay, good. Um, so let's see here. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna, probably not going to be able to read all. Oh, yeah, I will. I'm going to stop reading after these three. So what if you don't have anything to give? Good. We're going to address that too, Payam. Um, well, yeah, so bring, just bring a cow. Everybody's got a cow. It's like, what? That's, a, that's an object of great value in the ancient world. Um, is there no pr privacy also, though? That's an interesting question, right? Like, is, is this happening in public? It, it, the presumption is that part of the process is you're doing this in public. And like that has implications. It's not like just something you take care of on your own. We, we do a lot of tshuva now or repentance internally. This is a public. Okay. And then finally, I'm just going to read uh, one more. What, uh, what does one mean unique to the individual and not representing all? Great. And we're going to address that question as well, right? That's a second level question there after Richards and, and, and Marlene's, which is, so is, is one, do, could one do it on behalf of everyone? Okay. And Richard asks basically Rashi's question and uh, Luana uh, gives basically Rashi's answer or, or, or intuits it. And that's where we're going to start. Okay. So we're going to start with the question that Richard posed, that Rashi poses, which is why does, why does the verse start in the singular and end in the plural? So let's take a look here and we'll set ourselves up for, um, for where the Kliya, here's the Kliya car. When any person who brings forth from you an offering to the eternal, also God, you know, the way to, to translate Adonai or God, the verse begins in singular, but finishes in plural. There's Richard, there's Rashi, there's Marlene. Uh, you shall bring forth your offering. Okay. Okay. Rashi's interpretation, and this is true, you go up and you go look at Rashi, is that two people, this is to, here to teach you that two people may donate an offering in partnership. Okay, that's nice. Exactly what Luana thought, wondered about, exactly. Two people may donate an offering in, part, donate an offering in partnership. And so when anyone, any person from among you has this thing, or actually you all can do it together. You could do it together. You could come together. Uh, uh, Julia and I could say, listen, you know, we're, we, we want to offer thanks. We're, we're feeling sin, but we're, we, we come and we make an offering together. Okay. Okay. So that sounds nice. And it's a good answer, I guess, if you take seriously the idea that you have to resolve the discrepancy between singular and plural. Now, I could turn out to you now and say, um, Oh, what do you think? Would you make some? But it's such a specific question. I don't want to tease it out too, too much. We're really only using it as a launching pad because the Kliakar does not like the answer, it seems. The Kliakar says this does not satisfactorily resolve this verse and connect it from beginning and from the beginning to end. Yeah, I, this, is a, this is a very, very hard line. Um, for me to translate, and I'm going to mention another translation um, problem soon. But he says, um, he says here, um, 
Eno must speak. It's not enough what Rashi says. Not enough. Liyashiv hamikra, to settle, literally to, to make clear and settled this verse. And this probably should be translated as lechavero, to its partner verse. But I wasn't sure, is it, or it could be translated lechabro, to connect it all. I, now that I'm looking at it again, I think, I think he's speaking about a part to its partner. And then that's even harder to understand. But given where he goes, uh, I think that's what it means. This does not satisfactorily resolve this verse and connect it to its partner from beginning to end, for we don't know exactly how it applies. We don't know where this goes. We don't know where, we don't know. Okay, so you have two people, but so I don't totally understand what Rashi's saying. And I want to pause here. Like, does someone, am I, I know it's like my translation of the Hebrew, but like, unless someone has a better sense of what he means here, he seems to be saying the Rashi is not giving us enough. And it doesn't explain every part of the, okay, it resolves this, but there's, it doesn't connect this verse. Now I think he's saying to some other verse, because that's exactly what he's about to do. There's a partner verse somewhere, right? It's a very strange phrasing, but suffice to say, he's not, there's something about, he quotes Rashi's answer and then says, yeah, this doesn't do it for me. And then take a look at where he goes, because this is what we're going to spend the rest of our class talking about. And he says, and it seems to me, it seems to me, my interpretation is that the text wanted to warn all those bringing an offering to God not to stumble in the two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled, for they were the first people to make an offering. Dun, 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 dun. Cain and Abel, all of a sudden, we're like, we have two verses into Leviticus and all of a sudden we're back to the beginning, back to the beginning and, and to one of those, one of those stories that I, I just, I at least never get tired of returning to Cain and Abel. So I was just excited. And I know, you know who else doesn't? Kathy Kobayashi. <laughs> Kathy Kobayashi was, uh, but actually usually Kathy takes us back to usually the Garden of Eden um, with the first story. And this is really the second story. But I think in, I think in many ways it's just as important you know, no disrespect to Kathy, but, uh, but yeah, Garden of Eden, of course, is like, there's so much in there and, and, and sex and love and shame and, and identity and masculinity and femininity and partnership and, ah, like, ah, you know, there's a lot in there. Sure. Knowledge. Did I mention knowledge? Um, but Cain and Abel, the second story is a story of violence. It's a story of violence and brotherhood. <laughs> And those are two themes that are going to consume certainly the rest of the book of Genesis, but, uh, but, but, but in some ways they're going to consume us for the rest of our history, right? Us and the world and now in this moment, right? Violence. So, um, so we're heading into Cain and Abel. And I guess I want to stop here and ask, let's go look at, well, let's go look at Cain and Abel. What is he talking about? What, how could he possibly claim that all of this, that this verse here is a callback to Cain and Abel, and he gives one justification. What's his justification? And it's a pretty good one, actually, now that you stop and think about it. Oh, Leviticus is about sacrifices. When was the first sacrifice? Cain and Abel. That's a big part of the Cain and Abel story, is they brought offerings. 
So in some ways, the Kliakar is just saying, well, we're, we're going to have a whole book talking about offerings. Let's go back and look at the initial offerings, figure out where we're starting here. But that's not exactly what he says, does he? He says, this is all a warning to tell you not to stumble or not to fail or not, not to stumble in the ways that Cain, in the two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled. Now, and, and that's the last thing I'll say before we go look at what, what is he talking about the two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled? I mean, Cain stumbled in that he freaking killed Abel, right? <laughs> but there are two ways now that Cain and Abel stumbled. Okay, so let's go look. Let's go look. And we're gonna, let's just go look at Cain and Abel um, and review that story briefly. And it's a brief story. And then I wanna hear what you think. Like, what, what is here for us to think about with regards to the sacrifices? And then we'll get into the Kliakar's question. So let's go take a look at Cain and Abel, all the way back, 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 back to Genesis 4. Now the person, ha'adam, ve'ha'adam, yada et chava ishto. Now the person knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gained a person. Uh, actually, this, this is a bad, I translated Adam as person, because I like that translation, and then ish is man. I have gained a man with the help of, of Adonai which I think is, is probably her husband, or maybe it's the, it's the child, not clear. Um, then she then bore his brother, Abel. Okay. Um, and Abel became a shepherd and Cain became a tiller of the soil. First thing we learn about them, Abel became a shepherd, Cain became a tiller of the soil. Farmer, herder, farmer, herder. Okay. In the course of time, in the course of time, Cain brought an, an offering. There it is. That's the first offering ever in the history, like in the Torah, but as far as the Torah is concerned, the history of the universe, right? Or this part of the universe anyway. So mincha, that's one of the offerings and it's an offering to God, and he brings an offering to God. And what is the mincha offering? We sometimes translate it in, in Leviticus. What's the mincha offering? It's the, um, and we, we used to offer it in the afternoon. The mincha offering is the grain offering. Grain offering. Okay, so that's what, that's what, that's comes from the Cain story, because that's what Cain brought. It really just means a gift, but he brought a, a grain offering to it. Okay. Um, and Abel, he also brought from the choicest of his flock. Hashem paid heed, listened, turned, God turned to Abel and his offering, but to Cain and his offering, God paid no heed. And Cain was much distressed. And that's, a, I don't like that, um, that translation. The, we usually translate this as angered. But maybe they translated it that way because he was also sad. He was angry and sad. And Adonai said, okay. And Adonai said to Cain, why are you distressed? And why is your face falling? God doesn't like his reaction, even though God caused it. Thanks a lot. Surely if you do right. Hello, imtetev se'et. There is uplift. But if you do not do right, sin crouches at the door. 
Lepetach chatat rovetz. It's urges towards you. But you can be its master. And it goes on from there. And, you know, Cain kills Abel. <laughs> okay, that's Cain kills Abel. God gets mad, uh, curses Cain to walk and wander for the rest of his life. And Cain worries that he's going to be killed for it. So they put a mark on his, um, we usually think on his forehead, but a mark on him so that everybody knew that he was protected by God. Okay, there were sacrifices there, but um, what uh, what does this got to do with Leviticus? And what are the, I mean, we've already posed the question, might as well wonder also, what are the two sins here? What are the two sins? So what has got any, uh, what do you see here that's relevant? And, and, and what sins are you seeing taking place here? Um, other than what I said, the glaring one, Cain killed Abel. <laughs> okay, so that, that's obvious, but are there, is there anything else? All right, let's start with Leah Matsui, all the way from Japan. Um. I found this the most, absolutely the most distressing story in the Bible as a child. Um, isn't what we're supposed to consider uh, Abel's sin is that his face fell, is that he expressed dismay and upsetment that his offering was ignored, was not accepted. Uh, it, you know, Imagine his confusion. I always saw this as a beautiful basket of fruit and vegetables. You know, mm -hmm. why don't you like it? I don't mm -hmm. understand. It's actually harder to make fruits and vegetables, I think, than to raise a perfect, uh, a perfect cow, a perfect bull. I could be wrong about this, but there's something where Abel misread or couldn't possibly have known. Hashem's intention. And mm. now with Leviticus, we get a guidebook. So this should never happen again. Um, okay, good. Okay, good. So there's a, Leah's naming some direct connections and then some underlying, um, some underlying issues. And the under, oh, let's start with the underlying issue because that's where Leah started. The underlying issue is that we're trying to figure out, we're going to bring an offering to God. You know, is there, is it going to be accepted? Is there a way to do this right or wrong? Do we have, we're trying to connect here. The word korban actually literally means connecting agent. So how do we do that? Okay, so that, that is it a concern? Could God possibly reject our offering? We'll actually do have stories of that. So what, what would that mean? Even though they seem tragic and unfair, we have those stories. And the stories trade immediately in the difference between plants and animals. We already talked about animals, so maybe the verse is saying, hey, God likes animals. God's not vegetarian. Sorry, not vegetarian. God wants animals. So that's, just remember that. Remember that. Okay, so that's a, that's a good, that's, those are both on the deep level and on the, and on the surface, those are great connections. Allison Goldman. And if we can see your picture, we'd love to. And if not, that's fine. Hey, hey. Um, so, a bunch of people in the chat have said that Cain hadn't brought the choicest of his grain. Um, and I agree with that. Um, but I think what's interesting about what we just read is that there were two sins. Maybe the other one in the context of the Torah that we were reading is that Abel, like why didn't Abel tell him to have better grain? Like when they've been talking to each other, 
then they say like, hey, let's get a sacrifice. So how come, and they're twins, right? And they're like the only two people who exist or like them and their parents. Presumably they talked about it. Good, 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 good. Okay, okay. Allison's really, really onto something here. So uh, first of all, and I think a lot of people in the chat uh, named this, that there's a classic, there's a classic reading of the text that suggests exactly the first thing that Allison mentioned. Um, and, and that others have apparently, which is that it, it doesn't seem, it, if Abel brought the choicest, mibharot sono, let's go look at that. If Abel brought the choicest of his flock, well, then that indicates, we read the Torah, Torah carefully, right? So if Abel brought the choicest of his flock, then that indicates that maybe um, Cain didn't. And in fact, it says, vayave Cain mi prihadama, which means, um, that Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the soil, whereas Abel brought from the, the best of the flock. And all of that means, according to that very precise reading, that Cain just brought some of, just something from there, whatever, not so special. Whereas Abel made, made clear to bring his best to God. And that's right. And that is the first sin. And it's been named by commentators, been named by others of you. And the, it's where the Kliakar is going to go next. But Allison begins to wonder, and the Kliakar is going to wonder also, what was Abel up to? What was Abel? What was, is it like Cain just got mad and killed him? You know, what, 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 what was Abel doing? What was their relationship? Like, is it, is it possible that Abel has some culpability in the process here? I mean, it's hard to know, but, but Allison imagines there couldn't, if, if, if Cain wasn't clear on the concept and Abel was, why didn't Abel say, hey, 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 you know, can I make a suggestion so that you don't get rejected by God? Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's take another, another couple of passes of this. And then I do want to dive into the Kliakar. So I'll tell, to take Yael and Payam. Well, I want to bring something up that might be a question that isn't normally addressed. And that's, when we think that God is not accepting our offering, maybe God is accepting our offering, but there are different ways. We don't need to see a big flame in order to say, aha, God hears us. Yeah. And maybe we can apply that to our everyday life and say, it doesn't look like I'm being blessed at the moment, but God's here and God knows me and God hears me anyway. I don't need that. Yeah. To know that I'm I'm giving what I can to God. And in that giving, I am in connection with God. Did you, uh, did you hear that magnificent, magnificent interpretation by Yael? I mean, that is stunning, really stunning, because Yael is now that the Kleokar has made the connection to Cain and Abel, Yael is wondering, OK, so what are the lessons? And perhaps re remember that the, what God said to Cain. Which is why are you upset? Don't be upset. Don't be upset. Why is why are you so upset? Why are you angry and sad? Just the whole thing is just to do right. Just do right, and then you'll. That's that's where your connection comes from. Your uplift. I'm not. I don't, I don't. I'm still talking to you. How many people does God talk to in the Torah? Well, Cain's one of them. I'm still talking to him. It's fine. And so yeah, I'll ask us to to read that back into the book of Leviticus, which is suddenly gonna have all of these precise rules and instructions on how we connect to God. But in the end, God told us from the start, okay, you did it right, you did it wrong, but that's not the point. Be a good person. 
be a good person. That's, that's a beautiful interpretation. And that's, that's, that's the kind of thinking that the Kliakar is inviting us into. Okay. All right. One more thought, and then we're going to see where the Kliakar goes from Payam. I mean, I'm not a farmer. What the heck does it even mean the choices from wheat? Wheat looks like wheat. <laughs> not, I mean, I mean there's better and worse grain for sure. All kinds of produce, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but it is like, it is, you know, for the vegetarians out there, right? Like, it's like a little disappointing, this story, right? Like, oh, God just really prefers meat. Why is that? Like, uh, do you think, isn't God into saving life? I mean, it's just, but okay, we're going to, we're going to think about that a little bit as we go on. So let's now head into the Kliakar. We've named one of the sins. He's about to name the other. And I wonder if any of you um, will have, you know, started thinking in this, in this direction. I think Allison was, was starting to, um, but let's, but he says something quite specific. He says this. So, okay. The, the, not to stumble in the two ways that Cain and Abel sin. This is the surprising part. What is Abel's sin? So there's a clue there, right? That maybe Allison's picking up on like, oh, Abel might've had a part. Okay, so for Cain stumbled in that he brought from the lesser and worse crops. I mean, um, the flax seed. Oh, this is an answer to Payam's question. He didn't bring wheat. He brought flax, right? He brought the 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 pishtan, not the not the not the not the, the good stuff. But those who commit a mortal sin. Now, here's where the kliakar is going to going to be a carniv carnivore. You know, again, you know, take up the defend the the non-vegetarian position. Um, but those who commit a mortal sin. If you commit something where your life is on the line because you you should you should be punished for what you did bodily or or with your life must bring the life and the word that we're using for life here is nefesh must bring the life of an animal in exchange for their own life now again you might not like it i know we've shifted our thinking around what a relationship to animals must be but the logic for for this week's class the law, we'll just, we're not going to go too deep into it. The logic here that he's using is just that you are alive and maybe you shouldn't be given what you've did, you did. So you take this replacement and you, as if you're offering your life, but you're offering this animal's life. That's the scapegoat on Yom Kippur. That's the, that's one theory of the whole sacrificial system. I offer this to you as I should offer myself to you, but you have given me the mercy not to offer myself to you. You know, I mean, like, Christians pick up on this and and you and put a person in that place, right? But it's like same idea, someone else's sacrifice, and you know. And of course, it must be said that it's it is your sacrifice because it's your living to give up your cow. It's your it's not it's a big deal to give up a cow in the ancient world. So on that level, but he's saying life for life, and that is why he says you can't use plants. You can't use plants because plants, well, plants are alive, but um, he has to remember, however, that the Torah lets us use plants. So the Torah says only in great case of great need did the Holy Blessed One allow a poor person. And that's true. There's a sacrifice. The poor person brings a grain offering, which does not have a nefesh. It has life, but it doesn't have a nefesh. And to consider it as if that, per, that, uh, no, that person not, yeah, sorry. As if that person was offering an animal. So yeah, it's true. There are grain offerings in the Torah. I know my, I just said something that you could like try to disprove, but the, that's not my point. My point is that 
the ideal is to bring an animal. So that's, let's just start there, all right? Okay, um, so he's playing around with that. And, and in doing so, he's indicating to us that the verse is saying, and that's why animal. Okay, but then he says this. And Abel, what was Abel saying? Abel, even though he brought an offering from the choicest of his sheep, nevertheless, he did not do right either. I've never heard this before. Who, who's heard of this before? That Abel, Abel sinned. He did not do right either. For, oop, that's incorrect. For he, not we. For he was not inspired to give the offering on his own. And he did not perform the mitzvah from his own enthusiasm. He didn't awaken to the offering of, of his own idea. He didn't get excited to do this, perform this commandment by himself. Only after he saw Cain offer an offering, did he become jealous of him and able uh, him. What does that say? I, I just translated it. Only after he saw Cain off, he became and became jealous of him. Um, and, and then, all right, it's, it's, it's kind of awkward in the Hebrew as well. And then Abel, uh, uh, Gamhu, uh, brought an offering as well. Sorry. This is what's so great about this. Sorry, things that I can I retranslate this in real time. You all see this when I retype this, right? Everybody sees this, yeah. Brought an offering uh, as well to match him. To match him. Okay, so those are the sins. Those are the sins. And I want us to think about them for a moment. I wanna know what you think of them. What he is saying in brief, if we just had to stop the class now, we would say that the Kliakar's interpretation is that the reason that, it, that, um, that this verse is uh, here is to remind us of the first offerings, the offerings of Cain and Abel, and to remind us as we begin the book of Leviticus, the two things you've got to be conscious of are one, that you bring your best. Don't, don't offer the, the garua, the, the shvach. Bring your best. And two, that you do it because you wanted to do it, not because you saw your friend doing it, not just because you saw your brother doing it, not just because you saw someone else. Do it. You, you, weren't, you only did it because you wanted to be like them. And that's a sin too. And that's a sin too, or at least that's a failure of offering. So I want to hear what, what folks think about that. I see Hal just raised his hand. Okay, yeah. So it's not just sacrifice, but it's self-sacrifice, uh, that it is, uh, you know, abrogating your ego. I mean, taking it out and, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, again, uh, that everybody is doing this together is an extension of that, that earlier, that earlier verse. So that, that's what occurs to me. Right, right. Okay, so that's right. I mean, this is about, what is it, what is this, Hal says? I mean, it, it's a, it has to be a sacrifice. And so it has to, it has to be something that comes from the self. It has to be something that, I needed to do, I wanted to give, I mean, look, Abel gave his own stuff, but did he? I mean, is, is this act, was this act really an act of his? 
It has to be that it's coming from you. In other words, Hal is saying, what the Kliakar is zoning into very quickly here is the internal experience of the, the offerer, of the person, of the, the Torah sometimes seems to speak in like just abstract formulations and laws, but no, this is about you. You have to think about your experience. And I, I really appreciate um, um, Hal's formulation there because one of the things that I think is so um, special about the Kliakar is that he's one of the first voices in the tradition to really go inside consciousness, to really think about what it's like to be a person thinking and feeling. And I'm not saying the medievals didn't do that, and I'm not saying the rabbis didn't do that, and I think the Torah did that, although Matt Silberstein often reminds us how little the Torah does that. But, um, but the Kliakar is, I, I, again, I said this on the podcast this week, so it's a little bit of parallel, but the Kliakar is, is writing into the 1600s and Hasidic Torah begins in the 1700s. This is like pr proto, prior, this is like a prelude to, he's a, a new kind of thinking. And I, and, and I also said that, you know, then, then the century later, Freud is thinking about what it's like to, to be inside of our heads, to think thoughts, right? This is a modern, modernity is, a, is creeping forward here. And the concept of the self that's been forged throughout the, the, the Renaissance period, right, in this region is, is emerging in these commentaries. What is it like to be me, think my thoughts, feel my feelings, and to have anxieties, motivations, doubts, right? It's a psychological uh, commentary as much as anything else. Okay, um, let's see, Regina. So, uh, <clears throat> so I think this has to do with the power and importance of intention. And also um, how we conduct our lives. What's our, our intention with every decision that we make? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, that's right. That's the word I would also use. The, it's kavana in the Hebrew, intention. The word that I would also uh, use is, is motive. What are you, what's your motive or motivation? What's your, what is your motivation? What is, what is, what is it that the, that is driving you? This is a huge question in the Talmud, the one that, that Regina is raising. This is mitzvot srichot kavana. Do, does religious life, and this is kind of a crazy thing, but it's a uniquely Jewish question. Do we have to have the right intention or is it about action? It's not an easy question to answer. It's so easy to say, oh yeah, you have to have the right intention, but maybe you don't. Like, you know, I really want that TV. Like, should I steal it? If I don't steal it, I still didn't steal it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not oh, always about intention. In a in twelve step program, they would say suit up and show up. You know, like do the action, and things will come later. So it depends on you know how exactly you right. And, and in fact, right and exact exactly right. And in fact, I think Jude, Jewish tradition often like veers or leans that way. Let's like let's not let's get, get get too caught up in like what my inner life is like. This is a religion of good living, righteous living. The act, and in fact, it's the opposite psychological theory. It's behaviorist. It's it's. Uh, I'm looking at Jen Jen Bailey. I'm going to call him Jen soon because Jen knows a lot more about the, these theories than I do. But that that your behavior affects your your consciousness. What you do affects. So don't worry about what you're thinking. And isn't that you know in some ways what God is saying to Cain? Don't worry about it. You know, okay, good. So Jen, what do you think? <laughs> I go exactly the opposite direction than what you said. 
<laughs> which is, and behaviorism does this too, especially cognitive behaviorism, that actually we are responsible for our intentions. And we have the ability to alter and change them, to be aware of them, to do things about them, that an intention is a behavior. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I just want to think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that on some level what the Clea Carr is beginning to warn us about? Don't check your motives and then reformulate your motives, right? Like there's some, I have a will and my will raises my arm. I can also like, whoa, what am I feeling right now? Mm, that's not, I don't wanna, I don't wanna bring this, that sacrifice from this place. Where can I find a place inside of me that I wanna bring this sacrifice from? There's a lot in what Jen just said, a lot, lot, lot there. Um, I, um, okay. <laughs> I'm like running out of time here. So let, let's let's go back into the Clea car. And um, this is, you can see the sins now that he's named and also the general area of concern that he is warning us about. And I think we got to some real, I mean, I'm gonna be thinking a lot about, about this stuff after class. So we got to, we've already gotten to a deep place, but remember that the Clea car's great, like kind of reveal here was that Abel had sinned. We didn't really like, the Cain had not given his best is also a, a, a read-in, but it's a read-in, it's a traditional read-in. But what is what would it mean to say that, um, that Abel had sinned? Well, his sin was jealousy. His sin was, was trying to keep up. His sin was trying to be like someone else. His sin was not, not doing it from his own excitement, enthusiasm, motivation, not taking the time to, to form his own intention, but just borrowed someone else's. Okay, so let's see where the Clea car goes with that, because it turns out the Clea, that's his big chiddish, his big insight, and, he's, and he really wants to tease that out. But in doing so, he does something so beautiful. I don't know if any of you have, maybe it was in the chat, but he does something so beautiful next. I, I didn't notice it until he said it, and then it was like, wow, wow. So what he says here is he says, um, that's why it says in the verse, any person, the word for person is Adam, Adam. Any person who brings forth from you, I'm going to go back up to it one time. Adam, Adam. Any person from among you who brings forth an offering. That's why it said any person, Adam, in the singular, to tell you that a person uh, who, who bring, who, this is another typo, oops, um, that uh, a person who, uh, who, ah, because, well, where am I? To tell you that a person who bring, ah, oh my gosh, you can see I was typing this quickly this morning, that a person who brings forth an offering should be like the first person, Adam Arishon, Adam Arishon. Let me just stop there. This is un an unbelievable suggestion. That the reason the Torah chose the language of Adam instead of Ish, man. And I, on, now, on the one hand, it's also true that women could bring sacrifices, so it should be person, right? It should be person. It should be person more, really, in the Torah, shouldn't it? But that's just the point. The, 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 this is the part that really blows my mind. Sure, he's saying Adam, 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 Adam. 
there's a hint here in this verse that you should look back at the Adam story and at Adam and Adam's descendants stories, the first people. That was the whole clue. How did he get to, didn't you wonder like, oh, I think this verse is about Cain and Abel. Why do you think this verse is about Cain? You don't get to just say that, but he's got a good little connector here, but it's more than that. Because as I stopped to think about it, I realized most of the laws in the book of Exodus are formulated in, with, with the case laws. You know, when you got in this situation, it's always, a, it's a man. It's often ish key when a man does this, you know, presuming the main actor in the public space, the man does it, ish is the, is the more frequent usage in the book of Exodus. So Leviticus starts with Adam, human, person, right? And that's a little different. And if there's a, our ear should awaken and think, oh, Adam, right? Like Adam, well, let's go back to, the, oh, the Adam world was the first world where sacrifices was brought. Now that's quite a connection. Now, the place he goes from here is, I mean, this is a creative thinker. I, I must say this part's a little bit of a stretch, but you can get a feeling for what his concern is. So I'm gonna read the rest of it as well. Okay, so um, to tell you the person who brings forth an offering should be like the first person, Adam Arishon, who was all alone in the world at first. I guess, I don't mean with, is he ignoring Eve or is he saying just before even Eve was created? Um, because he was alone, he was saved from the sin of theft, for it was just him alone, so everything was his. And that's why he was saved from stumbling in the way that Abel did. Since he was the only person in the world, surely the inspiration had to come from him and not because he saw others doing it. Now, that's a strange formulation. Like, he was all alone. He, could, he couldn't steal other people's ideas. Like, it's not like he... Speaking of motive, it's not like he was pure-hearted. He just, he didn't have that temptation. And we do. We all have that temptation to be like somebody else, to be admired, esteemed, to do what someone else does. But that, Adam, the first person was saved from that, but only because there was nobody else in the world. And by the way, as soon as Eve did show up, they are starting to talk about the things that they have in common and don't, you know, it's like, as soon as there are more than, one people, one person in the room, then we have this worry, and this for the Kliakar is a, is a crucial and central worry that we have to think about. Let me give you the last um, formulation of that worry, because this language is really striking. When I say he's, he's proto-Hasidic, what you're gonna hear here is language that sounds to me like a Hasidic author. Uh, so it's has, the, the Hasidic spiritualist movement of the, of the 18th century. So take a look, take a look at this. And that is why it says any person, Adam, he repeats it again, because this is his great Chiddush, because one should be like the first person, Adam Arishon, who brings forth from you, any person, it says any person who brings forth from you, that the bringing forth must come from you and not from anyone else. The awakening to make an offering must come from you, from you and within you. From you, and within you, the awakening. It has. It's not just your animal. It's not just your motivation. It's the it's the spark inside of you that caused the feeling to begin. That has to be yours. It can't be anyone else's. And that is why it is an offering to the eternal. And now, now, folks, he says something quite strong, quite strong indeed. And that is why it says, now this is just the verse, okay? Let's read the verse and it might help here. Yeah, if I make this, uh, 
italicized as well. Everything italicized is, is the verse. Any person, Adam, who brings forth from you an offering to the eternal. Why does it say an offering to the eternal? For then it is certain that one's intention is only directed to God, as opposed to someone who does not get the inspiration from within. Because if it isn't from you, then it isn't an offering to God. <laughs> I mean, that, I just, that is, what a, what a, if ain't no korban la Hashem, ain't no mikem, right? Like, it's such a poetic way of putting it. For whatever is done out of jealousy is only being done to glorify oneself before others. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. And then it's not an offering to God. It's an offering to all the other creatures. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. And by the way, do you know what Hevel's name means? It's vanity. It's often translated as vanity. It means either vanity or vapor, as depending on how you, how you translate it. But it's like breath, air, but vanity. The book of Ecclesiastes often be, like begins in a translation, Hevel Havalim, vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity, right? Like that was Abel's sin. The need to look good in front of other people. That's not what this is about. That is not what this religion is about. That's not what the sacrifices are not. That's not about what your connection to God is about. That's not what this is about. So that's, he, that's the warning. The, oh, bring your best. That was easy. The danger really is able sin. Doing it to be like someone else. And then I'll just close with this. And this, uh, actually, we have time for one comment. And I saw a new hand. Julia's got a hand up. Hi. Um, so I, something that I've been thinking about throughout all of this is um, Ron Berger and, and his ethic of excellence and this idea that in striving for excellence, you're not, it's not like one draft and you're done. Uh, and you've like, you've reached excellence, you're good, you're done with the work, you don't have to try anymore, but rather that one, it's many different iterations toward working towards that excellence. And also that if let's say you're in a classroom or in a community, people are helping you to get there. They're giving you feedback. So in the case of like a Cain and Abel, it would be that these brothers are working together towards helping each other bring the best offering to God. Um, and it, based on this, this verse that we're looking at in Leviticus, it seems like, um, like we should all be working towards helping each other to getting towards that excellence of, of serving God, of making these sacrifices to God, of um, not just serving our own need to give an excellent offering, but for the entire community, be, entire community to be achieving excellence together. Folks, folks, sometimes I, I think God just smiles on our learning. I mean, it's just like so, so beautiful and such, I just feel like, thank you, God. That is the perfect, perfect articulation and setup for the last thing I wanted to show you, which is that the Kliakar, like Julia here, um, is, is thinking about Cain and Abel's sins and also what they did right. And if you combine them together, then they would have been two brothers giving the best of what they had, right? Together, right? The Kliakar, and that maybe that's what the, the world that we would we would prefer to see reflect in the the Kliakars goes on and on explaining the verse. After after what we just saw, he goes on and on for a while and he explains every but why does it say sheep? Why does it why is it why this part of the verse on and on for a while? And then he ends by saying, Oh, and the plural language, 
What about the question he started with, the plural language? Remember, take it from you all. That was, we start, but it just seemed like that wasn't really relevant. He didn't even like Rashi's answer. And in the end, what he says, he closes his commentary and the plural language can be explained according to Rashi's interpretation. That is to say, two can bring one animal. Now, what? I thought you didn't like Rashi's answer. Like, what? No, but he didn't say that. He said Rashi's answer wasn't enough. He hasn't explained everything. But if you go back and do all the work that we did, then you'll see this is such a brilliant move. Oh yeah, Rashi was right all along. I didn't reject Rashi. I just wanted to give you the full, full picture because the, what Rashi is really telling us, says the Kliakar, is that the Cain and the Cain and Abel are exactly what Julia was just telling us, exactly what Luana was suggesting to us at the outset, which is that the ideal is that they should have come together and brought a, a, a sacrifice together. That was the problem to begin. Why one going off and giving one sacrifice and then the others scurrying to keep up? It's like the Torah is here to tell us you can do this together. You can be bonded in this experience. You can do it as a community. It's not a competition. It's a community. That's good Torah. That's good Torah. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> We're going to end on that note. Thanks, everybody.